Hi, I'm Stathis, your host. Before we jump in this episode, let me introduce DevRelX. DevRelX is a hub for developer marketing and DevRel professionals. Stay home while DevRelX brings you rich content to boost your DevRel game. Access developer population insights, news, job openings, and more. Discover how to empower developers and grow communities at devrelx.com. Hello and welcome to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, a podcast from Slash Data. This is a podcast to come to for best practices and insights on the developer marketing world. In each episode, we meet a different guest, each with a background in technology, who will share their experiences, success stories and lessons learned. We are Slash Data and our mission is to help the world understand developers. Stay tuned for more episodes by signing up at developermarketingpodcast.com. Hello and welcome to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, a podcast from Slash Data. I'm Joe Stitchbury, one of the senior analysts in the team, and today I'm joined by Catherine Miller. Catherine and I worked on a book together recently. Developer Marketing, The Essential Guide. We published the book in September last year, and it aims to be the de facto text on the up-and-coming field of marketing to software and hardware developers. I have a fair amount of experience in this field as I've worked as a developer and in marketing for Nokia, Sony Ericsson, Symbian, and in various publishing fields. More recently, I've moved into technical writing, working on documentation for developers and those that want to attract them. But Katie, Tell me about yourself. What's your bio and background? Thank you so much, Joe, for having me on the podcast. Uh, I am currently the lead of the events team within the Cloud Developer Relations Org at Google. I'm going on about 13 and a half years now at Google uh, and have worn many hats across our ads and agency and developer marketing and developer relations businesses. Uh, Today I am here on behalf of myself uh, and so we'll be speaking about my experiences that I've gained through my years at Google as well as in my in my in my other experiences but uh, prior to Google I actually had a career in higher education. I ran the admissions office at a dental school in Boston Wow. And so what I, what I really like to think is the common thread that runs uh, through all of the work that I've done, whether it be developer relations and marketing, uh, ads, customer service, or convincing people to go to dental school is it's all about building programs and communication experiences that help people get the information that they need to make decisions and be successful, whether that's where they want to become dentists, or what technology they want to use to build their applications. Wow, that is quite a journey though, isn't it? Did you think you'd end up in this area? How, did, how do you think your younger self would see your current role? I think that they, that I reflect on that a lot, particularly in, I'm going to age myself now, I'm coming up on my 20th reunion for university, and I, I, I reflect back on what I said I wanted to do when I graduated. And amusingly, I, I, I would half-jokingly say I wanted to be the education secretary for President Hillary Clinton and run the Boston Marathon. So I guess I had uh, some foresight back in the late 90s. Uh, 
fortunately, I have completed the Boston Marathon, so that's, <laughs> that's a fun fact. Um, but uh, while my initial career did take me down the path of education, and that's actually what brought me out to California in the first place, uh, working in the tech sphere in any capacity would have been so far removed from what I was doing in the late 90s. And in fact, not only did much of this technology not even exist for us to comprehend, when I even look at the journey that I've had over the last 13 and a half years, the vast majority of the technology that we're talking about and that we're marketing didn't exist at the time that I started at Google 13 and a half years ago. Wow, yeah, so that is quite a journey. So um, within Google, what would you say has been your, your biggest challenge in your roles there? An interesting question, and I, I don't even know if I would say that this is something specific to Google or is just something specific to tech, which is, uh, I think, twofold. I think the first is how is, is, a, a, is a brand and a product suite, we can really think about uh, not just differentiating offerings but really thinking about how to do so in a way that really is thoughtful and sensitive to the user. So really putting the user at the center in the heart of everything uh, and helping them really understand uh, the benefits of uh, why, why to pay attention uh, to, to what we're saying in the first place. So really that user-centric journey. And then I think the second is again, and, and this is this is more of an observation across the broader tech sphere, and 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 and, and not uh, specific to my work at Google, is how we really think about uh, bringing diversity and inclusive experiences into the products that we build, the events that we create, uh, the marketing experiences that we put forth out out out, out into the world. Uh, so I think that those are two really interesting challenges when I just reflect on the 15 years we, I've spent in Silicon Valley as a whole. That's really interesting. I've just been writing about women in tech, actually, when we're talking about diversity. It's one that I think a lot of people would immediately think of, though obviously not the only one. Um, and I was quite surprised to see that there was about one in 10 um, developers at the moment are women. And I thought we'd got beyond that now and that there was more parity, but it seems it seems not. Now, that's a global figure. I'm sure things are a bit different in your part of the world. Would you say so, or, or is one in 10 a, a kind of common statistic still? I think observing the events that my team has run and uh, the events that I've been able to attend and participate in, I think it varies quite considerably across the platform and across the geographic location. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think a lot of what we see, uh, and this is again observational, is what, what, what we see and observe in tech is, is really related to what we see and observe in terms of diversity in, in the workforce as a whole within, within those particular regions and cultures. Yes, yes, I think that must be very that must be very true. Um, so when we we go back to the challenges that you've experienced, um, something that we were very strong about when we wrote the book was that we didn't just want the glitz, we wanted the mistakes, we wanted the the secrets of how you overcome the obstacles. What would you say um, is your your biggest mistake, and, and what did you learn from it? <laughs> 
I think, ah, oh, that's such a good question. I have 13 and a half years to dig into. Um, <laughs> even, even beyond that, if I think about even just early stage career, I think the biggest mistake is, in, in this, this, this applies across the board, and, and I can't think of necessarily one specific instance. I'm two and a half weeks out from a major event, so I'm probably being very self-critical of all of the things I haven't done in preparation for that event. I would say it's when I haven't taken the extra five to 10 minutes to ask the questions and to listen and to really understand the audience and the stakeholders. Uh, when I've wanted to, in that, in that true tech mindset, run fast, fail fast, act and ask for forgiveness, in every one of those instances, taking that extra bit of time to pause and say, what are we really trying to accomplish here? Who are the people that we're trying to reach? What are the goals of this? Is this the best strategy? What are the trade-offs of what we do? And I think uh, in those moments where in an effort just to keep pushing, pushing, pushing um, and to meet deadlines, sometimes there are moments in there of maybe we should have paused, maybe it would have been a deadline slip, but in the end, it would have been the right thing for the internal stakeholders uh, and for the event attendees. Mm, yeah, yeah, I see exactly what you mean. I think as a technical writer, I'm guilty of much the same in that perhaps sometimes in my rush to get down what I want to write, I stop thinking about what the problem is that I'm trying to solve for the reader or even who the reader should or would be. Um, and certainly in, you know, in my past career as a tech writer with Symbian, um, perhaps I was always solving the wrong problem. We were writing for the converted rather than looking at the external developers and trying to uh, pull more people in because of course Apple came along and Google with your Android devices and um, the Symbian um, platform just wasn't really ready for third party developers in this in the same way and you know I, I was the one that was writing the content for a lot of a lot of developers at the time so absolutely the problem that other people are trying to solve has got to be right at the top of the list isn't it um, and, it's not always the problem you're trying to solve, unfortunately. And, and I love the way that you reflected on that because it really made me reflect on the experience of collaborating on the book and on the chapter where it was a lot of me getting down my ideas and experiences and you all really pushing me to think about the readers and all of those different angles. And so in many ways, it would, that's what made the, the experience of working on the chapter so positive. Oh, great. I'm glad you enjoyed working on it because it was your chapter was so much fun to review um, because I learned so much about, well, why don't you tell us what did you choose to talk about in, in your chapter? So uh, my chapter was about uh, producing events for developers. Uh, so in, in my time at Google thus far, and, th and this is really where I, I have uh, built up the muscle around developer events, uh, even though, again, the perspective is, is my own. Uh, I, I have worked on everything from small meetups are up to large tentpole marquee events. And so it was an incredible opportunity to uh, share the, the wisdom, the strengths and the failings of, of the work that I've done, and really to hopefully open people's 
eyes and mind to what developer events truly can be that uh, oftentimes people think about events as very difficult to mention, uh, very difficult to measure. They can be expensive. What's the ROI out of them? And I really, truly believe they're such an incredible vehicle for delivering other programs, other initiatives, other campaigns in, in a really human way. Uh, it's, 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 I've been really lucky that uh, over the last 13 and a half years, events keep coming to the top of what I'm doing within my particular roles. And it's just a real passion. It's something that I really believe in, uh, in terms of it being an effective uh, mechanism of developer marketing. Mm, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, this week, I think it's GDC in San Francisco. Um, and I've got very fond memories of that event. It's one of my favorites. Um, and also WWDC at the Moscone Center. Um, those are two really iconic events, I think, in the developer calendar. But what do you think makes them so attractive? Such an excellent question. And I think when I reflect on events like that, when I reflect on events like Google I.O., uh, even some of the more emerging ones that you have, uh, Facebook has F8, uh, Amazon and Microsoft have their events, is the ones that have been done really effectively are the ones that really understand the different audiences and craft experiences and content that match the needs of those audiences so that you know as an attendee whether you're there as press, whether you're there as an analyst, whether you're there as a partner, whether you're there as a practitioner, there's a place for you at the event and you know how to find it. And you feel like when you walk away from the event from an ROI perspective that you have gotten out of the event that what you're looking for. And I think for those ones that are done really well, people are going looking for deep technical content. They're looking to connect with one another. They're looking to connect with the experts. They're looking for that balance of wow and amazement uh, because oftentimes the attendees are also fans of the consumer brand as well as the developer brand. And so just that sense of being respected as brand ambassadors on both the consumer and the developer side, and that they're able to walk away and say, I was inspired, I was shown what was possible, but that I also now have new information to do my job better. And I've made really personal, meaningful connections to help me do my job better, to help me think about my next step in my career, to feel supported, to feel recognized. And I think all of those iconic events understand the different audiences. They understand the type of content and experience for them. And when you go, you get out of it what they intend for you to get out of it. Mm, I think that's so true. I think. Um... I think you said in the book that um, you should come away only understanding two thirds of the technical content if you're a developer and it gets you sort of fired up to learn more. And I think, well, certainly with WWC, DC, you would by far exceed um, that in terms of not understanding things. I, I definitely walked away with a very long reading list. I'm not so sure about connections for everybody, though. I think 
there's quite a perspective that developers are introverted. And certainly I find, in my experience, um, I'm definitely an introvert. And I don't always find it easy to make connections at, at developer events because I'm in my own little bubble and I don't really want to talk to people and it's a bit embarrassing and I'm British and all this. How How do you go about bringing people together so that they do actually interact and engage with one another or engage with the staff that you've got on the booth or um, doing the teaching so that you find that people do actually get the most out of it that is that is such a fun question uh, and is something that i i really keep top of mind uh, i'll answer it in two ways one is more on the technical experiences side and one is more on the community and social experiences side because i think they're in many ways equally as important. On the technical side, uh, when I reflect on the events that we do, we're really thoughtful about the staff that we choose to be present at the event and, and really rely heavily on individuals from developer relations. And there are people who are known within the community. And by, by bringing them there and bringing them in, they're people that attendees can relate to because they're 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 the same. They're they 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 get one another. And these developer advocates and developer engineers really know how to both create digital, technical um, demos and experiences that welcome and invite people into the conversation. And then once they establish that, they they have a sense of how to communicate and relate with one another. Um, and so I think that's that's a really important part of it. Um, and then I think on the social and community side, it is really about creating those spaces, making sure people can find them. Uh, if it's birds of a feather, having a, having a very visible and obvious schedule that's pushed out to them so they know where to be and when and who's going to be present. And even in the social events, and this gets to the inclusivity piece, is thinking through how are all the different ways people like to interact? And that comes down to everything from as simple as drink choices that are available to having quiet spaces within, within an event, uh, that it's not one type of social interaction or activity. Um, and so I would say that those, those, are, those are ways that, we, that, that I've really approached it, both in terms of connecting from a technical standpoint and connecting from a social and community standpoint. Yeah, they sound great. I'm definitely coming to one of your events. <laughs> I, I hope you will. We need to meet in person still. <laughs> so I wanted to turn, before we turn to smaller events, because we've been talking about some real flagship events, I wanted to talk to possibly the most um, glitzy event of, of uh, technical calendar, which is South by Southwest, which also happened fairly recently. It's definitely kind of next generation in many ways, um, or maybe even like a TED event. What do you think um, are the hottest sort of trends in events and how are we going to get to next when it comes to the developer events so that we can mimic TED and South by Southwest a bit, a bit more closely? Really good question. I, I will be frank. I've been to South by Southwest once. That was, and it was, in 2012, while I was still in the ads organization, and I gave a lightning talk on the porch of a house on innovations and in search ad formats. 
<laughs> I was in Austin for 24 hours and it poured the entire time. <laughs> so I had a very, I had quite the unique South by Southwest experience, but I think from following along with it in the media, it's, I think when I, when I think about the developer experience and I think about the type of experiences that are created there and that really resonate, some of it is pushing the boundaries. And while developers are incredibly pragmatic, I think when boundary pushing technology and ideas are presented in a really authentic way and in a humble way, it really does resonate with them. And so I think that that's one thing, one lesson that I take from those things is at events that we do, we can't be afraid to push the envelope, but we need to do it in a way that shows humility. This, this is, again, is, is my personal reflection, is that it needs to show humility. Uh, it, it can't necessarily promise the world. It, it needs to be put out there and say, we're, we're going to try this thing, and, and we, we think that this is the direction. Uh, and so I think that that's one element to really take from those, which is we want to arm our attendees with really practical information to do their jobs and be successful, but without losing that they are technologists and part of what this space is, 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 is always thinking on the bleeding edge and, and balancing the innovation and the opportunity. That's one thing that I think to take away. I think the second is uh, there, I, I love the use of space at South by Southwest. Um, I actually really reflect on a time that I spent in Edinburgh, Scotland um, during the Fringe Festival, which uh, for, for those listeners who, who haven't participated in it, it's a month-long festival of festivals in Edinburgh, Scotland. And one of the, 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 the most special things about it is where the content is delivered, where the performances are, could be everything from a pub to the basement of a church to a car to a street. And so I, I like the different use of spaces and really thinking about how to create large versus intimate, loud versus quiet, learning and connection experiences through the use of space. So that's a second one that I think, as I've gone to a melange of events at the Moscone Center in San Francisco, is really seeing how the producers of the event are using space and bringing, instead of a city, how do you recreate that within the confines of, um, a conference center or a conference space. In terms of the TED Talk piece, uh, that's again really thoughtful attention to the curation of content, that it is that balance of deep technical content and recognizing that people need to free up their brains and learn in different ways. It, it, dipping back into my education pedagogy from, from that time in higher ed is people's attention spans are limited and the ability to continue learning diminishes pretty quickly. I can't remember if it's at the 40 or 50 minute mark within, within something. And so having a really nicely curated uh, content list where people will use their minds and brains in different ways, depending on where they are at the stage in their, in their conference journey, 
uh, is, is really important. I think that that's something that something like South by Southwest and Ted do really, really well is, is, is the, the mix in how content is delivered and, and who's delivering it. I see. Yes. I think humility, your point about humility is absolutely right. And it goes back to your point of making the people that are attending the ambassadors, really, you're always speaking to them and saying, well, what do you think? You know, where, where should we go next? This is not us telling you, it's us working together. And I get the sense that, that Ted is very much um, the same in that, you know, it's a conversation, isn't it? And like minds coming together and as much is done behind the scenes as happens in front of, in front of the camera, as it were, as part of the, the presentations. And I love the idea of using space um, and looking for different venues. I mentioned this on the last podcast, actually, but I'll share it with you as well. There was um, a, a game developer event recently in Finland um, using quantum um, computing emulators, I think it was, um, and they were working in the saunas and on a Ferris wheel. And I think that's got to be the most bizarre pairing of locations to work. But, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I, I, there's, there's that, that, that uh, line that everyone shares that the most important track at a conference is the hallway track. Mm-hmm. And your point of how, how do you help people connect when you have people who run the scale of extroverted to introverted at an event, it is creating those spaces in nooks and crannies. If somebody knows they're going to be more relaxed on a Ferris wheel, create an opportunity for a couple of people to sit together and have a Ferris wheel journey. And I am sure that the quality of those conversations, if they were in their zone, must have been incredible. Mm, mm, absolutely. Yeah. So let's um, turn a bit to smaller events now, because in some ways they must be more difficult in, in the scope. You know, you have only got a, a smaller group of people to work with. Um, so I've an event example meetups where it's a startup. So it's all hands to the pump. Everybody has to be involved from the most introverted kernel developer through to the marketing team. Everyone's got to get out there and press the flesh and take names. And it was uncomfortable for us doing that because some guys were had never been to an event before you know they're young hackers they're not really into it so how do you how do you work with a meetup and get people um to come together in the same way that maybe a more professional team that's had that experience um would would automatically sort of dive into things how do you how does a small um event work um say if you had a group of people that said hey we want to do a meetup on something um we've all got day jobs but we're all fascinated by quantum computing and we want together how do you guide them so really that's a really good question uh and i i feel like in the moment we're quite spoiled in how we answer that because platforms like meetup.com have come to be that really facilitate that connection and that discoverability. And so even reflecting on what the experience would have been like five to 10 years ago, I think, I think my answer would have been quite different. Mm-hmm. But I think when we think about community work, we think about all of the things that you just said, which is what is the minimally viable product? What, what, what is the, the, the time, the location, the space, the food that is going to make people want to take those two hours out of their evening to come and spend time with one another? 
really having that critical mass of individuals who have a shared affinity. you know, my experience with meetups has been quite fortunate, not only because of the platform technology side of things, but because it's been done through other larger scaled community efforts, whether it be through Google developer groups or having event managers who are supporting different chapters of open source communities. And uh, so, so, so my experience is probably a little bit different, but I think my, my advice for, for people would be to really leverage platforms, uh, things like meetup.com, because it, it, the, the search functionality makes it discoverable, uh, to really leverage connections and relationships within networks. I think uh, that becomes such a huge piece. If no, someone knows someone who works there, hey, can you ask if we can get that space? And especially if it's at larger companies or incubators and uh, shared co-working spaces, many of them are now set up with event request processes to actually make it quite easy and somewhat turnkey for those meetups to come into the space. And so uh, probably in the same way that folks deliver career advice, I would give very similar advice back from the meetup space, which is... uh, really to think through the the folks that you've met throughout your journey, uh, introductions and connections that they can make um, to give you that space and that foundation to then be bringing people together. And then I think as well uh, on the content side, uh, many of the large tech companies want to be finding scaled ways to get into these communities as speakers, as contributors, as community builders. And so not just to be tapping into the network for space, but also to be tapping into them because companies are really hungry to be present and to help foster and, and grow these, these, these groups. Yeah, I think that's, that's very true. I think um, people don't realize just how much help they'll get if they ask for it. Um, and that can make the, the big difference between people coming once and, and like you say, thinking, wow, you know, I met somebody from this company and I asked a question and I now understand why this bug hasn't been fixed or this feature's been delayed. Um, And they'll go back and they'll keep going back because, you know, that's what you want, isn't it? You want people to give up their time and and come to these events. It would be awesome to think that, you know, if we've we've talked through this, that maybe somebody listening is inspired to uh, run a user group meeting or a meetup um, and, um, you know, just give give their hands to it and, and see who turns up. Um, I'm almost tempted myself. I must admit. Um, so yes, if you're out there listening and you, and you fan- do let us know on Twitter, it will be um, fantastic to hear um, from anyone that's wanting to set up an event, um, particularly if they want to uh, tell us about it or get any advice. Um, so I think we're pretty much closing, uh, Catherine. I suppose I wanted to ask you before we go, what you think the hottest trend will be in developer marketing in the couple of years from your observations over your 13 years and prior to that wow that's a that's a great question I know I keep saying that I must sound like a broken record but uh, <laughs> this is just this is just really fun uh, I, I I enjoy being challenged with these questions for example do you think it will be ferris wheels <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know about ferris wheels but I I you know, when, when you challenge me to ask that, and this is actually the historian in me, that's, that's actually what I studied in university, 
is is what I do is I, I I actually look back over the the years that I've done developer marketing and developer relations to say what has and has not changed in terms of the practice. And to me, the perhaps this isn't where I see it going or where I but more where I hope to see it going. Uh, I think the things that have really worked and that have really stuck have been when when technology is really invested in by a company or if it's something that's very, very experimental that it's really positioned as such. I think that there's such an opportunity to lose trust in develop trust from developers. Uh, if if something doesn't doesn't work or doesn't have longevity and isn't stable, and so uh, to me, my my hope for the future, if you will, is is just companies and platforms continuing to focus on that. That again, it's the I I call it um, uh, uh, you know it's it's kind of that um, really really radical pragmatism, if, if you will, is 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 just continuing to make sure that that it comes down to what 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 do the users really need to be successful and and if i extrapolate on that where i hope to see that trend is is really thinking about what those next million or billion users are both from the consumer side of how do we think about how technology is used globally and how people can access the, that technology and and making sure that we're developing platforms and HPIs and tooling that allow developers to actually create experiences that can be used globally, whether you're a farmer in Kenya that has a, a weak mobile signal or somebody sitting in the luxury of Silicon Valley. Uh, that's one, one direction I hope to, to see it continue to go. And then I think the second is in terms of building up those next million or billion developers is really inviting and welcoming into the fold a diverse and inclusive set of technical practitioners that the way we're not just going to get there in making technology pervasive and accessible and thoughtful by having the platforms that work globally but also making sure the people building that technology um, understand and think and know who those users are and what they need and and the way you do that is having a diverse and inclusive set of developers so those yeah. are the trends that I hope for. Yes, yes. The the people and the communication, it's it's such an important part of it. And let's hope that um you have this wish granted, even if you didn't get to work for President Hillary Clinton. At least this is one thing that does come true. <laughs> uh you know what? That's that's what drives me every day when I come to work. So <laughs> Well, it's been fantastic talking to you. Thank you so much for um, taking the time out to um, take part in this Under the Hood of Developer Marketing podcast. Um, and it was a pleasure working with you on the book. And I'm sure we will be updating and continuing to write great content about this topic for many, many um, episodes to come. So thank you so much. Um, and I will close now by saying thank you to the listeners. Thank you for listening to Under the Hood of Developer Marketing, a podcast devoted to developer marketing and relations. If you want to listen to any other episodes, you can subscribe at developermarketingpodcast.com or follow us on Twitter at slash data HQ for regular updates. Thank you. Mm -hmm.